Well, I want to welcome all of you that watch every week online, literally from around the world. Thank you for joining us. We're here at the North Richmond Hills Campus of the Hills and delighted that you are with us. Now, this is a special weekend because today is Valentine's Day. And my wife will verify what I'm about to say to show you what a clod I am. For about the first 10 years of our marriage, I thought Valentine's Day was always on a Tuesday. I kept missing it because I thought, isn't that the third Tuesday of February? So I have learned Valentine's Day is the 14th. And guys, we have a special challenge because that means today, this year, Valentine's Day is on Sunday. So we're supposed to do something special for our wives and Chick-fil-A is closed. But I did some research and found out Waffle House is open, so you are without excuse. Now, if you really want to do something special for your Valentine, sign up for the marriage conference. Jeff and Shanti Feldman are two of my favorite authors. I have recommended their books many times to couples who just want to invest in their marriage. And I think you'll be really, really blessed. I hope to see you there. There's another very special weekend coming up I want to remind you of. March 12th and 13th, we're going to have baptism weekend. Now, many of you here have seen people get baptized. You've heard me talk about baptism. And maybe God's calling you to be baptized. And so, March 12th and 13th, we're going to really have a weekend that focuses on that beautiful act. And February 28th, on every campus, we're going to have baptism class for children and for adults. So please come and learn why this is very, very important. You've got several weeks now, so you can call your friends, you can call your family that live far away and say, hey, come be with me this weekend. I want you to see me get baptized. Because in baptism, we are immersed into the story and the life of Jesus. And instead of talk about it, I think it's more powerful sometimes just to see it. So watch this video. Church, this is Omar and this is Yasu. Wait, what? I can't say the last name. I'm sorry. They always laugh at me. This is this couple. To know them is to love them. Omar served in the army. Yasri served in the Marines. She tells me that. She says army says ain't ready for the Marines yet, and he says Marine stands for muscles are required, intelligence not essential. So they give they give each other a hard time, but they are they are a great couple. Uh, they um, had been in church a little bit in their life. Things got better, but never made a full commitment. They've driven by here a few times. They've been coming for a few weeks. And uh, ultimately, things have changed. Uh, Omar served in Iraq. Um, had a guy that was just a bad guy that led him down some bad paths early in his life. And ultimately, he got hung up on crack cocaine. Uh, he's been clean for four weeks. But he wants to be clean from this day forward, and he knows that he can't do it on his own, and so he's surrendering to Jesus. And uh, so, Omar, step up here, brother. Omar, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again and did that for the forgiveness of all of your sins? And today, do you not only want to accept him as your Savior, but also as your Lord? Because of that confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, representing the forgiveness of all of your sins, so that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yasserie, six, about seven weeks ago now, she's in, in her bedroom. 
Uh, if you can imagine her life, they've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. Their four-year-old daughter has uh, cerebral palsy. She works at JPS, crazy environment. Her husband's struggling with crack cocaine. Her mom lives with them, and life is just too much. And she's, as she would say, she was just ready to run away. And she doesn't know how to describe it any other way than that all of a sudden everything was lifted off of her, and she had this experience with God. And so we were able to sit and talk and be able to help her understand exactly what God had done and that Jesus had taken her yoke that was heavy and taken it upon himself and given her his, which was perfect and light. And today she wants to be baptized into Jesus. Yesterday I asked you, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and that he rose again and he did that for the forgiveness of all of your sins? Yes. And today do you not only want to accept him as your Savior but also as your Lord? Yes. Because of that confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, representing the forgiveness of all of your sins, and so you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Omar and Yasira are just two of the many reasons why I asked you last week to turn in a card or to Go to the app and fill out a name of someone that you want to start praying for to come to Christ. We believe there are at least 3,000 right here in our city. Now, you can pray for someone a long way away, but I'm wanting you to let God put on your heart the person that you can invite to eat, that you can have a meal with, that you can have in your home, that you can invite to church. Because here's what we know. Jesus can write anyone into his story. So we don't write off anyone, even that one that seems so hopeless. Because if you have been following Jesus very long, you know you're about to meet someone who wants freedom. So that's our story this weekend. It's in Mark chapter 5. Open your Bibles there. Let me give you some background. In Mark 4, Jesus is experiencing a revival. Huge crowds are coming. There's great energy. There's a lot of excitement. And then he makes a strange decision and tells his disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Now, the other side is nothing. The other side is Gentile country. But they do what they're told. They get in the boat. And then in the middle of the night, a huge storm comes up. They're terrified. Jesus is asleep. They wake him up. He rebukes the storm. Everything goes quiet. And they're more freaked out. This has been a crazy day. I think it can get crazier. Oh, yes, it can. Because they get to the other side. And look what happens. Chapter 5, verse 2. When Jesus got off the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. And cut himself with stones. So the storm on the land was more terrifying than the storm they had just survived on the sea. Because you've got to understand, if you're a Jew, you're about to experience the ultimate unclean trifecta. If you're a Jew, you don't want to be around pigs. Well, there are pigs all over the place. You don't want to be around tombs. They're getting off a boat in a cemetery. And you sure don't want to be around demons. Pigs and graves and demons. I'm not getting off the boat. Nobody wanted to get off the boat. Except Jesus. Because there was a man 
A man that seemed intent on destroying himself. It says he was taking rocks and cutting himself. Cutting is not a new problem. The devil's a murderer. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your emotional health. He wants to destroy your body. You will hear whispers in the darkest and strangest times to hurt yourself. And this guy has no friends. Now, in some of the stories in the Gospels, a friend will carry his friend to Jesus. A mother or father will stop Jesus and plead for their child. Nobody's pleading for this guy. Nobody's carrying this guy. The only human interaction he has are attempts to keep him in bondage. But chains can't hold him. But Satan does. He is completely bound by Satan. So why would Jesus want to leave a ministry that is going so well and is so big for this? It's because no one is hopeless to Jesus. And that sounds like a sentence a preacher would say. But I want that sentence to bore deep and penetrate your heart today. No one is hopeless to Jesus. And we need to hear that because we get in situations with people that are so frustrating that we tend to give up and we tend to write off People that God is not through with. This man's bondage was no more difficult to Jesus than your bondage was. And oh yeah, you were in bondage to Satan too. But Satan has no jurisdiction where Jesus is. Jesus sees all of his activity in people's lives as illegitimate. And... Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the origin of evil. The Gospels don't waste any space telling us about what demons are or where they came from. Jesus didn't come to explain evil. He came to expel it. He came to confront it and get rid of it. So it says in verse 7 and 8 that this guy's shouting at the top of his voice, What are you one with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And I love it that every time Jesus meets a demon, the demon knows who's in charge. Demons never say to Jesus, you want to arm wrestle? Anytime Jesus meets a demon, the demon knows he is about to get an eviction notice. The mountains... Shake before him. The demons run and flee. At the mention of his name, the king of majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand in the power and the presence of the great I am. And so Jesus comes a long way to meet the man everybody else wants to avoid. You ever heard of Stradivarius violins? They're the most famous and expensive in the world. 
Antonio Stradivarius lived in Italy in the late 1600s and early 1700s. His violins are priceless, but you may not know Stradivarius was a very poor man. He couldn't afford the best wood. You know where he got his lumber? He went down to the harbor and he got the driftwood that people threw away. And he took the waterlogged wood back to his shop and cleaned it up and used it to make violins. And now many years later, what we know is that the microbes in the water got into the wood and they bored out the core of the fiber structure and they left these chambers that the music can resonate in. That in fact, the trash that no one wanted has now become the treasure that the whole world loves. And Jesus has this stunning capacity to see the song and to hear the music that's deep in the heart of every person. And he wants to release it. He comes for even that one that no one else thinks has a future. And I love what the man says to Jesus. What do you want with me? What a great question. What does Jesus want with even that one? Jesus wants to release anyone from bondage. He doesn't want just to redeem us. He wants to release us to be who we were created to be. Not just to give us life after the grave. He wants to give us life before the grave. The life God wants us to have. So, Jesus engages the man. Finds out he's full of many demons. The demons know they've got to leave, so they ask to be thrown into some pigs. Jesus said, okay. The pigs rush into the sea. It causes a commotion, and people from town come out to see what's happened. And it says in verse 15 that when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he's sitting there. He's dressed and in his right mind. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to restore to us the capacity to reflect the divine image. Because all men are made in the image of God. And Satan doesn't want people to see the maker that's in you. So he wants to bind you. He wants to chain you. He wants you to be so enslaved to your depression and to your anger and to your bitterness and to your lust and to your greed that nobody can see God in you. And you can't. Escape on your own. Paul understands this. He says in Romans 7, Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me. No one gets free and comes to Jesus. But anyone can come to Jesus and get free. Because His death and His resurrection has disarmed the enemy. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, every cell of Satan was thrown open. Every chain was loosed. And now the question no longer is the possibility of freedom. The question now is the necessity of connecting to that death and resurrection of Jesus that disarmed the enemy. That's one reason why as a church we value baptism So much. Listen to Paul, Romans 6. When we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, 
We joined him in his death. Somehow, we were connected to the most important event in history. And it says that when we died and buried there, through our baptism, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. When we're baptized, we are expressing our faith that what Jesus did in his death and his resurrection is a game changer. That everything's new now. Everything's different now. There are possibilities now that never existed before. That we can all be released to be who we were created to be. That's what Omar would tell you. Now, I've never been addicted to crack cocaine. I can't fathom what a hard journey that must be. And Omar won't tell you, oh yeah, I got baptized and so I don't even have any temptations anymore. It's a hard journey. It hasn't been easy. But he has found within now a power he never had. He's been clean now for eight months. And he'll tell you, it's not because his willpower is stronger. It's because the power of the resurrection is now something that's in his life. The way things are do not have to be the way things stay. Because the one who is in us is more powerful than anything that has been on us. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants to release Anyone from bondage. And he wants to release everyone for worship. I love what I'm about to share with you. The worship wars have been on a long time, people. They started in heaven. There was a worship war. Lucifer decided he wanted the worship due only to God. He was kicked out of heaven. But he didn't change what he wanted. Lucifer does not want the worship that belongs to God to go to God. He told Jesus in the temptation, I'll give you every kingdom of the world if you worship me. In Revelation, the great dragon appears and in fear all the world worships him. You see, beneath so much of our bondage is a deeper problem. We have not lined up our lives and our affections to God. We have let someone or something become our worship. We've looked to someone or something to fill the void only God could fill. And it produces bondage. But Jesus knows when someone wants to be free. Look at this verse. It says, verse 6, that when Jesus was still some distance away, this man saw him. He ran to meet him and he bowed low before him. You ever noticed that before? What's a man filled with demons doing bowing before Jesus? So I did a little more research. Look at how this verse actually reads from the New King James Bible. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. So I got out my Greek text. It's the word proskuneo. It is the strongest word in the Bible for worship. It's used all through the New Testament for God. It's used all over the book of Revelation for the Lamb and those who are around His throne. See, the modern versions just assume, well, this guy couldn't be worshiping because he's got demons. So they don't translate it that way. I want to argue that is exactly what's happening. He's not the exception. He is the example. We were all 
bound by Satan. We were all in the enemy camp. But we weren't so bound that we could not cry out to Jesus. So the demons are yelling, but this guy is kneeling. He's conflicted. There's a civil war going on. He's enslaved. He's in bondage. But there's something deep inside him that wants to be free. So get this. Why did Jesus cross that lake? To rebuke thousands of demons? No. He crossed the lake to release one worshiper. Because the Father seeks worshipers. That's what Jesus told that Samaritan woman. God is seeking worshipers. You're not the seeker. God is. God was seeking worship from you when you were too in much in bondage to seek God. That explains what Yasari experienced. There she is. She's overwhelmed. Her job is crazy. Her husband's on drugs. Her child has a handicap. She feels hopeless. She just wants out. And then she encountered the God that she wasn't seeking, but who was seeking her. That's what God does. He releases the worship deep within us. This is how the scripture says it in James 4. You submit yourselves into God. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why? Because the devil's afraid of you? Because you're stronger than the devil? Why does the devil flee when we resist? Keep reading. You come near to God and He will come near to you. And when God comes near to you, the devil runs because he knows he's about to get an eviction notice. And so, there's somebody in your life that seems hopeless, right? They are messed up. Almost to the point that when you see them, you just want to avoid them. You sure don't expect to see them at church. And if you did, you'd be shocked and you'd be thinking, don't sit by me, don't sit by me, don't sit by me. What if that person was just one prayer, one tear, one bow, one worship away? From a breakthrough. That's what happened to Larry. So every week, some people from our church go to a couple of the local jails. They're allowed to have a class there. The men and the women are allowed to come in. They put in a DVD of worship tapes and they worship. And then they're allowed to watch a DVD of one of my sermons. Larry started coming. Larry's an older black man. His grandparents were slaves. His mother was a sharecropper. He was one of 17 kids. Several of his brothers and sisters, including Larry, were fathered by a white man he would never know. He remembers as a boy watching an uncle hang from a tree while men in white sheets stood around and watched. And Larry grew to hate people that look like me. 
Larry starts coming to class. He worships Jesus every week. On the back row of this class is a whole group of guys all tatted up with marks of the Aryan Brotherhood, a white supremacist group. They're in class too. And you might recall last year I did a teaching on the whole idea that you can forgive what you can't forget. And Larry stood up. And he turned to the back of the room. And he said, I look at all you men on the back row here in class who wear your tattoos that tell me you're members of the Aryan Brotherhood. And I'll admit several months ago when I started this class, I didn't trust you. But today I can say I forgive you because I see you now as my brothers in Christ. Can I forget all that happened in my past? No, I can't. But that doesn't define who I am today, just like it doesn't define who you are today. We're brothers here serving our time for making bad choices in our past. But now our memories are part of our testimony for what Jesus has done for us. And Larry got up and walked to the back row. And he hugged every one of those white men. Larry will never leave prison. But he's finally free. And he'll spend the rest of his days telling people that Jesus got the chains off. You see, a chained man becomes a changed man. And then a changed man becomes a charged man. Because this story has a very strange ending. It says as Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, right? Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? But Jesus didn't let him. Instead, Jesus said, you go home to your own people and you tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Why would Jesus answer the request of the demons and not answer the request of this man? Here's why. Because... Jesus releases people from prison so that He can release them for mission. This guy doesn't have a degree, but he's got a testimony. He knows as well as anybody what only Jesus can do. And anyone freed by Jesus needs to tell everyone they can about it because someone needs your story Jesus said you don't tell them how much the Lord has done for you so church tell them because someone needs your story Someone needs to hear you say, I was in so much pain, I used to cut myself too. But Jesus is helping me heal. And I don't do that anymore. I wanted to run away so bad, I went to a pill, I went to a powder, I went to a bottle. It never lasted. And now I run to Jesus. I used to think if I could just buy one more thing, get in one more bed, 
make one more deal, I'd finally be happy. But what I really needed was Jesus. I was that person that played by all the rules. You would have called me religious, but I knew I was faking. I knew I wasn't real. And then I met Jesus. And I changed religion for a relationship. And now we talk all the time. I talk to Jesus and Jesus talks to me. Someone needs your story. There's a spot in California called Dante's View. It's really unique because you can stand there and look down. And you can see a place called Badwater. It's 200 feet below sea level. The lowest spot in the United States. But the amazing thing in that same spot, if it's clear, you can look up. And you can see the top of Mount Whitney. The highest spot of the lower 48 states. And there's somebody who's looking down. And all they can see is how low and how bad and how hopeless it feels. But what if they could look up? What if someone told them, you're only one tear, one prayer, one bow, one worship from a breakthrough? Because right where you are, you can still see the Most High. Somebody listening to me right now is this close to freedom. So I'm going to pray. Father, I'm asking right now that the sound and the voice of the Holy Spirit drown out the lies and the whispers of the enemy. Somebody's thinking that sounds too good to be true, but it can't be true for me. I'm too broken. I'm too weak. It's been too long. We speak against those lies in the name of Jesus. We declare the truth that nothing is impossible for Jesus. No one is hopeless to Jesus. And so, God, today we ask for freedom to come to reign. I'm praying right now. Someone's listening to me in this room. Someone's listening to me online. Someone's going to listen to a podcast. And, God, I'm begging, give them courage to look up. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Could I ask you all to stand? If you're on the prayer team, would you take your places? We're going to ask you to come and receive prayer. Come and receive encouragement. Maybe you're ready to come and be baptized. But here's what I know. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for Jesus.